Good morning, everyone. I'm sorry, my voice is a bit uh, <coughs> a bit croaky this morning. And well, I've got something coming. We're in Psalm 119, and as you know, I've been sending two messages each week for a while now. But rather than do two this week and split this one into two, I've put it all together. So please forgive the fact that it's rather longer than normal. So we're reading Psalm 119, verses 17 to 24. And this is the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Gimel. I'm not sure whether you pronounce it like that, but that's how it's spelt. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaks at the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counsellors. So the title Gimel has behind it the idea of giving. It's literally a repayment. And this can be either in a good way or otherwise. So as we consider this stanza and the practice of the psalmist, we begin to grasp something of the enormous and incalculable benefits of reading and assimilating the truth of God's revelation to humanity through his precious word, the Bible. This word bountifully that we have in the first verse of the stanza is most interesting. It obviously has the idea of God's grace and bounty towards his people, especially in the light of the particular character of this section, but it is more often translated wean. As most mothers will know, this is a process that takes place as a baby grows and begins to take solid food and therefore needs less nursing. As believers in the Lord Jesus, through reading and understanding the scriptures, we become less interested in the arguments, reasoning and philosophies of human logic that proceed from unregenerate hearts. Instead, we are weaned off all that and desire what God has to say about himself, ourselves, the world around us, his future program and everything else that he will reveal to those who seek him with the whole heart. That is not to say, of course, that we don't watch, listen and take account of what's happening in the world. It's really important for us to keep abreast with what is taking place around us, but not to get involved in it, in its corruption, and of course not to be influenced by it. We should love the people who are our neighbours, our work colleagues and associates in daily life, and contrary to the old saying, be more heavenly minded in order that we might become of more earthly use. Daniel was such a man <clears throat> who was given a very responsible position in the Babylonian court, but he was also a man who knew his God, knew God's word and lived in the light of it 
and at times clearly suffered for it, as we'll see later. Daniel's desire here is that I may live and keep thy word, as he says. He wanted the opportunity, even though taken away to Babylon as a young man, a prisoner from the land of Israel, to live and demonstrate in that preserved life that he possessed what it was to guard and rely wholly upon God's word with all its principles, promises and prospects. As I indicated at the outset of this section, the idea of Gimel isn't only giving in a good context, but it can also be in judgment. As he says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. I'm assuming that Daniel is referring originally to his own countrymen, some of whom had also been taken captive. Some of them, of course, have been killed. You see, not all who were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon were people of faith, even though numbered amongst the people of God. But let's apply this to our present situation. This regrettably is true of much Christian profession today. Sadly, sadly there, comes, there seems to be a very large number of professing Christians who don't seem to have any real and vital experience of God or of Christ. At best, they give mental assent to biblical doctrine. But living those things out in their lives in a daily way is a different story. But for the psalmist, he found God's word wonderful. He asked, Open or uncover thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous, wonderful things out of thy law. For the believer, the Holy Scriptures should be the food and nourishment of our souls. And we could not possibly have a greater source of joy because they reveal the person and the heart of the God in whom we put our trust. This is why our Bibles are the preeminent guide for all true believers. However, the natural state of the human heart, the unbelieving heart that is, is that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. But then he goes on to say that when the gospel touches the heart, then God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, at creation of course, shines into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what an enormous privilege and honour we believers have at our disposal that we can enjoy because we have the illuminator of the scriptures living within us, the Holy Spirit. He is the one who throws light upon the sacred page and reveals God and his truth to us. And when we hear teachings, as John says in his first letter, chapter 2, we know, because of that divine person living within us, what is truth and what is error. This wonderful privilege was partially enjoyed in the Old Testament as the Spirit of God came upon individuals. It was perfectly available to those who listened attentively to the Lord Jesus when he was here. You remember what it says about the two on the road to Emmaus. It says, Then opened he their understanding that they should understand the Scriptures. 
And it is the possession of believers today in this church age because, as I've said, the Spirit of God indwells all genuine Christians. And when we read God's Word prayerfully and willingly to do what He has to say, the truth of God is revealed to us. How beautiful is that? There's so much more that could be said about these verses, such as the fact that Daniel recognised that he didn't really belong to Babylon, indeed even to the world itself, as he said, I am a stranger in the earth. He was a stranger, the word is a sojourner, in other words, a temporary resident. And that's what you and I are, believers, this morning. We don't belong to this world, as I quoted in that old hymn a few weeks ago. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And then, penultimately, I want to just mention something else. Daniel experienced opposition. As you will remember, no doubt, when those who hated him because of his position and ability, they devised a plan to get rid of him, to destroy him. And the famous account of Daniel and the lion's den took place, and Daniel's deliverance by the miraculous intervention of his God. But opposition to God's people will often be the case, and indeed is so, especially in places like North Korea, Afghanistan, etc., etc. In fact, I'm told that there are over 75 countries where Christians are suffering severe persecution at this very moment. Hundreds of thousands of true followers of the Lord Jesus are suffering. People who are being tortured, imprisoned and murdered. Not because they've done anything wrong, but because they love Christ and they seek to follow him and read his word. But it will be so for all those that desire to follow biblical principles in one way or another, even in the West and in our own once God-fearing country. And we can see this happening as we speak. It's becoming a very challenging situation. But Daniel did, and we can find our help in trusting in our God and relying on his word for encouragement and strength to withstand the contrary forces around us and continue to live lives pleasing to our God. Things are becoming darker by the day, and the immorality, but not only immorality, the perversity. And as I've often said, it's not now just opposition to Christianity, but it's opposition to creation, to the very building blocks, the foundational uh, building of humanity and of creation itself. But finally, he says that he didn't want worldly advice or anything else to guide him in his walk and work for God, or indeed in any decision of his life. Instead, this is what he says, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counsellors. And I, I I thought actually the margin of the Bible says this, Literally, the men of my counsel. Isn't that lovely? The scriptures, the testimonies of God, are both his delight and the men of his counsel, as though 
there was a there was a circle of those who would give him guidance and this is what the word of god is <clears throat> for us god's believing people so how beautiful it is for us and pleasing to god when we seek his will and guidance in all the decisions of our lives this is what many of us have experienced in our walk with God, and I can bear testimony personally to that. We have heard his voice in the scriptures, guiding and directing our way, enabling us to make decisions that are how and what and where God would have us to be. His testimonies, his witness in the scriptures, and often by divinely ordained circumstances, he guides us with his eye which of course sees beyond the human horizon and knows the end from the beginning. I don't believe we're in an age like that of the first century Christian church when miracles were used to authenticate the gospel and the new thing that God was doing. However, I do firmly believe that God is still willing to guide his people in his own way if they're willing and ready to receive it. I can... I and we, myself and Beryl, can bear testimony to the fact that on many, many occasions in our own experience, we have seen him indicating his will with what could only be described as his miraculous intervention. These things are intensely practical in helping us to be who God wants us to be, where he wants us to be, and what he wants us to be doing. I'm not going to read it, but I'll just conclude by suggesting that you read the first two verses of Romans and chapter 12. God bless his word to you today.